If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Malls of America, we explore the intersection between real estate and the changing landscape of malls and their impact on our daily lives. This episode's format will be a riff on our past shopping mall memories, and thoughts regarding the shape and future of this large real estate footprint. Alex, why don't you take it away? You know, there was this wonderful article in The Atlantic written by Ian Bogus in 2018 that was titled, When Malls Save the Suburbs from Despair. The article talked about how the middle class living in the suburbs drove global consumerism trends through shopping at malls. And that was like really the first time people who were arriving to a destination or living around cities like Detroit in the 50s um, could shop like they would shop in the city, but in the suburbs closer to their home. And it gave people a sense of community and opportunity to be able to socialize and be be together, which which was pretty amazing back then. Yeah, and this was the era of fast growth in terms of uh, um, disposable income in America and, and, and suburbs were growing and people had money in their pockets and people were starting to buy cars and changing their cars on a regular basis and being in your car and driving around was not the pain in the ass that it is now with traffic. It was actually an enjoyable experience. So having a, a, a chance to get into the car and grab the kids and go to the mall and spend an afternoon was actually a fun experience on a Saturday afternoon. And when you think about it, right, you think about what real estate was back then versus what it is today, where today you have mixed use properties. And that's a concept that relatively is new, where you live on top of a store, basically. Back in those days, the store and your home were completely separate venues, and you had to travel to one. So by putting all the stores in one location made it super convenient and and some of the people that actually created the concept of malls were quite pioneering back in those days. Yeah, and, and Detroit, uh, as one of the first places to have a mall, doesn't surprise me because when you have cold weather, the opportunity to be able to go from a store to a store and not have to step outside in the snow or the cold is very advantageous. And I can see the attraction to something like that. If you're living in a city in a tight community like New York City, what's interesting about New York City is no matter where you live, every neighborhood has everything, right? Has your supermarket, your drugstore, your 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 hardware store, uh, your clothing clothing places. 
But when you're in the suburbs, to go to one place and have all that, at least when that first started, now there are big boxes everywhere. But that was a that was a cool concept and it made a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that it also made sense from a pricing standpoint, right? Where you had your Park Avenues, you had your Broadways and Fifth Avenues, and all those retail locations were super expensive. Location, location, location is all important. But now <laughs> when, you've got, <laughs> when you've got a mall, now you're creating a whole different real estate economic situation, right? Where now it's no longer Park Avenue, it's now aisle, you know, aisle 21, top level, lower level. And it was really creating these like mini universes of which people can bid on, uh, you know, retailers can bid on spaces and locations that were closer to um, the food courts or whatever, so that people um, people's attention were drawn in different places. You had an opportunity to direct people to places that matter so that they can shop. So it was pretty interesting. Concept. And urban sprawl was just starting back then. So the land was cheap. So not only did you have plenty of land to put these big boxes like Sears and enormous Sears anchoring a corner, but you had all this horizontal parking all around the mall as well, which was which generated no revenue, obviously. You didn't charge for the parking, but that wasn't important because you had all this extra land and space and it wasn't expensive. So it was easy to, it was easy to start these things up, so to speak. Well, that's why those malls were put in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, like, they were like generally 20 miles outside of the city in like some farmland. And that was converted into a mall area, which you had all the real estate in the world to play with. So quite, quite um, genius use of space. Yeah. And you had these big anchors, like a Sears on one end and a Saks on the other. And then you had all these little stores in the middle. And as we got into the 70s and 80s, that became a social hub. It went from not only shopping to actually being someplace where people hung out, people met other people. I mean, I don't think you could go through the 80s movies without uh, any coming of age movie that didn't have a mall scene in it, right? And Fast yeah, right. Times at Bridgemont High. <laughs> Well, actually, I grew up in New Jersey, so for me, malls were a part of my life, and that was pretty much how I, uh, I went through um, pu puberty, running around chasing girls in malls. But I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's, like, it's definitely a rite of passage. I can, I can remember when I used to visit down to Miami when I was uh, going to school in Montreal and go down to a mall called Dadeland down here and basically cruising for, for – for, for women, right? Cruising <laughs> to meet young women. And uh, it was an it was an easy way to say hello. You're walking in out of the store or the, the woman worked at the store or, or you were shopping together and nearby you're at the food court. I mean, remember those food courts? Oh my God, talk about, un talk about unhealthy food. Yeah, those are the best. But I mean, at the same time, that was the only opportunity you had to socialize. I mean, other than school, if you were in school at the time, uh, you, you, the only way to interact with your other, you know, your, your other kids was in the mall. You'd meet at the mall after school or on weekends, and it's the same with young adults. I mean, even if you were, you know, if you were if you were working and you know, you're living in the suburbs, I mean, where else you going to go to meet friends for a drink or meet friends for dinner uh, or spend your afternoon? You, 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 you're not going to go to a city. You're just going to go to the mall um, to walk around. And then I remember um, not too long after. Uh, that period that people were going into malls, like the little groups of old, little old ladies would put on their tracksuits and they'd go from one end of the mall to the other and back and get their workouts in. So the, the mixed use concept of malls uh, started way back when, and it's continuing today. I mean, the way malls look, I mean, from the outside, they look pretty much the same, but inside they're totally different now. 
Well, there's so much more high upscale now than they used to be. I mean, just the the fixtures, the marble everywhere, the escalators everywhere, elevators, the clear glass elevators where you can see the store you're going to through the elevator. I mean, this this is glamour you know, for a lot of people who live in the suburbs. This was this was where the glamour was. You're absolutely right. Which is also where the entertainment was and still is, right? So you have some of the malls. I know that the Mall of America in Minnesota was one of the largest, um, one of the first mega malls, I believe. Uh, they had a, a Ferris wheel, on that Ferris wheel, but like a merry-go-round in the middle of it. It was like basically a playground where you can, you know, pretty much drop your kids off, I think, and just kind of go, got to go and do your thing. Um, so there, there became places where you drop your kids off. There'd be places like movie theater started kind of moving, moving its way into malls. Of course, you know, you know, not too far behind that were, were um, serial killers <laughs> taking their, stealing your kids from the people in the malls. But there, it seemed to be a destination and experience that the whole family could enjoy. Yeah, I remember. I think the Mall of America had a skating rink in it, of all things. It was crazy ice skating rink in it, if I recall correctly. Well, you know, you know, nowadays, look, I think, you know, things are, are moving pretty fast, uh, knowing the fact that we're in a place where the, the, world, the entire world has changed, right? And this is, this is now 2021. Um, but the transformation of malls have been, been taking place for a number of years, where you're starting to see a lot of the big box retailers, as you mentioned, Sears. I don't think anyone under the age of 40 remembers what a Sears is. Uh, or was, uh, let alone a Bloomingdale's. Uh, and, and so you've got all these big box retailers that have gone out of business at Kmart. Um, remember Circuit City? <laughs> I mean, oh my I God, yeah. Fun, Radio fun, Shack. Radio Shack. So these are these big box um, and some little box retailers that were anchors in these stores that are gone, but the space is still there, right? You still have this box. So we're starting to see that being reinvented and reimagined, whether or not that is movie theaters opening up, whether or not that's gyms opening up. I mean, you name it. It seems like anything that can fit in a 20,000 square foot space, um, you know, can easily fit into a mall. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I'll talk about Tesla in a second. But um, and the other part about the malls that was interesting was the malls were a real factor in the growth of a lot of smaller box retailers like the Gap. I mean, was there ever a gap where you didn't go to the mall to go to the Gap to get your T-shirt? I mean, that that the mall made that company right for a long time. But what's interesting is just this other day, I went to test drive a Tesla. Hmm. And uh, when you sign up, where did they send me? They sent me to the Dadeland Mall. So I go down to the Dadeland Mall. I've got my noon appointment, and I don't know. Am I supposed to meet a guy in the parking lot and who's <laughs> who's going to explain the car to me? No. I park the car. I go into the mall to the huge Tesla store with the cars sitting right there. The guy gives me a, an electronic uh, key, and he tells me what slot in the parking lot the car is located at. I go out. I use the car for thirty minutes. Go anywhere I want. Park it and bring it back. The big problem was. If anybody remembers in the days when there were these huge parking lots where you had uh, animal names or, or color coordinated to what lot you were in, like, you know, oh, I was in Elephant 3 or I was in Blue 5. I'm driving back with the Tesla and I realize I don't remember where I took the car from. I don't know where to put it back. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It reminds me of like a, like, a, like a Godfather episode. It's like some guy gives you the keys and says, the car is out back. I know I have a partner if when I return, the car is still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, leave, I, the, leave the car, take the cannolis. 
<laughs> well, look, I mean, you know, I, I, well, it's clearly it's in Tesla, so they know exactly where where the car is at all times. I mean, talk about privacy um, uh, issues. But I think, you know, they, you know, that I remember when they um, first opened their retail location it was in a mall. I think people were kind of freaking out, like, why is Tesla in a mall? And I think, um, you know, Elon Musk has been noted as being a visionary. Uh, I think he had it right. I mean, I think if we follow his uh, um, his his thought process and what malls uh, are today and what they may eventually become are just places where um, brands and companies can connect with p- consumers. Period. And I think you know instead of recreating that, using existing and repurposing existing real estate in order to reframe um, or reconnect, I think is a really interesting prospect. You know, when I see when I see things like uh, hospitals, and I look at I look at at the large hospitals in, you know, anywhere USA. And then you look at what's happening now with urgent care centers, uh, people now looking, probably going to CVS in some cases before they go to a hospital or an urgent care center. So, so, so pharmacies are becoming more important in people's lives. But then using the malls, I mean, why do we need a, a huge uh, emergency situation in a massive building called AKA a hospital, why not have a center in a mall, which is, you know, closer probably to a, a lot of people, right? Cause that, that's the whole design of a mall that it's kind of in the middle or in an area where it's heavily populated. It sort of changes the, the, our relationship with some of the things that we, you know, that we, we used to, we used to think were normal. Yeah, listen. I mean, the things that they that they sell now in malls is is, is so different from what it was when it first started. I mean, you can literally you're buying food at the mall now, right? You can go into a Target, you can go into one of some of these stores, and there you can actually get food. You go shopping for food. You never did that before in a mall. That was a separate that was a separate trip going to the drugstore, right? A pharmacy that was a separate trip. Now you can have them in malls. So you're absolutely right. Look, humans are 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 pack animals, right? We're social animals. We like to be surrounded by other people. We feed off that energy. And uh, and so there's real value to be able to concentrate a group of people in a certain place with with something to provide, to offer. You know, I mean, let's talk, I mean, you talk about food in malls now. I remember when the food court was, you know, the Panda Chinese and uh, and a McDonald's and you didn't recognize any of the other places. You, you got your gyro or your souvlaki in one of them. And you had no, you know, no idea what these brands were. Now you go in, it's everything from Chick-fil-A to you can get a glass of wine and buy $55 dry pasta in, in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Because now there's, now there are kind of mini malls opening up in, um, in select areas that are closer to, um, you know, more luxurious or high-end neighborhoods. And I, and I think about, um, you know, if, you, if I were looking at um, some commercial real estate uh, and I was thinking about maybe either, either creating a, a grocery store or concept or a gym, or if I wanted um, to build a warehouse or mini storage, for example, like I, I don't know if I would break ground in a new location versus... Uh, you know, renting a space in a mall um, to test out my concept, right? I mean, I think that there's also opportunities for people to innovate um, a lot easier and perhaps with less risk uh, by buying into or leasing um, a a space uh, in malls. You know, the whole concept of um, pop-up retail uh, was created because of this departure of 
of business in inner city. So a storefront would close down and the, you'd, you'd rent the, the pop, the, the, the location for a month or two and to test out a retail concept and see if it worked. I think malls have become interesting innovation test beds that can be used for different concepts. So I, I think that there's a lot of interesting ways of being able to transform um, what, once again, fundamentally is a connection between company and consumer experience in enclosed into something really, really unique. Yeah, that's a great point as, as an experimental location. I mean, look at movie theaters, right? It seems like movies theater attendance seems to be waning sometimes. People are worried about streaming and big home theaters at home. And all of a sudden, the big box separate building that had the 20 multiplex that was across the parking lot from the shopping center is now in the shopping center, smaller theaters, a little more catering to service, like sitting and eating while you're watching, which we can debate if people like that or not. But um, and, and it's a chance for people to try out a concept of will people pay more for the movie theater for the luxurious seats for the ability to have service at your chair right at your chair, and you can put that right in the mall and it makes it easy to advertise or to show it or to see it as an option because someone's already the traffic in the mall is so large to begin with. So just like you say, it's a great marketing opportunity as well. Well, I mean, I can just go at, uh, on for, for days on that topic. I mean, just think about the film industry, right? I think um, as it, the, the fidelity uh, and the level of quality in filmmaking through technology has increased, you know, 20 fold. Unfortunately, um, it's it's fallen short. It's been totally wasted because we're sitting in our, in our homes watching watching big blockbuster movies on our little screen. And I think that there, it's kind of like, um, you know, um, driving a speedboat in your bathtub, right? In terms of really amazing filmmaking, watching it in your home, in your home theater or your, in, your, in your living room. I think having large format film uh, screens, um, seats, cushions, and the entire experience is part of the movie uh, it's itself. And I think that if we go back to large formats, large locations, watching t uh, movies on the big screen, it will re-inspire in a way uh, Hollywood to start going back to sort of these big events. I know that this, I, I, I'm, I'm hotly anticipating the movie Dune coming out soon. Villeneuve, one of my favorite directors of the sort of the sci-fi genre, you know, I want to. It's it's HBO slash AT and T is a huge huge thing on it. They they're going to simultaneously release this in the box the box office and and at home, and people are freaking out about it. I mean, it's a huge disaster in terms of um, the work that went into this film, and then then having being relegated you know to to your living room. So I I, I like to see more theaters uh, and more experiences being created for the mall. Well, I'm a huge movie buff as well, and uh, there's nothing like seeing that movie for the first time in the dark and on a big screen with the with the perfect sound. And and let's be honest, a little bit of popcorn and a Coke doesn't hurt either. So um, but it's very interesting. Malls are definitely here to stay. They just change the experience for the user. You talked about walking back and forth, uh, ladies walking back and forth in their track suits to get exercise. Now there are whole gyms in the mall. Right, which was again was a separate a separate location, a separate destination. Now it's literally in the shopping center. Well, you know, look, I mean, if I if I were uh, an innovative, um, uh, experienced marketer, 
So I happen to be. But you're supposed to be. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would actually think about, you know, using the the mall and literally the physical real estate um, as a experience that you could sell for brands. I mean, think of think of what um, stadiums, uh, you know, like sports stadiums do. You know, you're you're going into the Barclays Center, and everything is all about Barclays. And you go into the Staples Center, everything's about Staples. You know, why why aren't there naming rights for for malls? Uh, why are why aren't there opportunities where you walk into a mall and Coca Cola can own the month um, of you know July and everything the walls uh, all and basically your entire experience in the mall is orchestrated and, and choreographed and curated essentially by a brand. I think I think it cre- it could create a unique connection between people and brands. It could create a new selling opportunity for malls to say, well, you know, here's how we're going to go about making some extra revenue at the same time, adding more experience, more value to our customers. I think I think it's pretty. Well, that's a good idea. comment about adding revenue because I guess in the end, it's all sales per square foot, right? There, right. you know, <clears throat> the big boxes fell out of there, and there was nobody who could pick up that space, and it would and make it worthwhile for them that they could generate enough revenue to justify the rent of that large anchor space. And so, exactly what you say, any way to get ancillary revenue to the mall is extremely attractive to the mall owner and to the survival of the mall. I would assume. And I think a lot of it will have to do with where these malls are located and who they cater to, right? Because you have, not only within the mall itself, the experience is changing, but you have malls that cater to different levels of income, right? You have malls that are all Gucci and Ferragamo, and you have malls that are Gap and, and Pandora, and, and some malls are a mix of one or the other, but usually a mall tries to find a sweet spot, whether it's the middle class or the high end. or the And so a lot of that will determine who will want to advertise and what kind of store, what kind of business will be able to generate revenue there. Well, you know, a lot of that um, was or is dictated by the anchors and so, and the amount of wings, right? So I know that there's some malls in Jersey where one wing um, has a Macy's and there and all the stores are relatively Macy's level. And then one wing has like a Saks and all the stores around there are kind of Saks level. And so the diff, the, diff, the person that's walking through each of those wings is a different type of person, right? Different, different handbag. One person's Gucci, other person has a... Um, you know, uh, I don't know, a Safeway, I don't know, <laughs> but like, or Conway, sorry if you can remember that one. Um, but I, but I, to your point, I was going to go back to this idea of, well, you know, look, if you, if you could brand a wing of a mall, man, that would be pretty cool. If I was, if I was uh, the marketing director for Mercedes, I probably would want to own the wing, um, the Saks wing for a month or a Porsche or whatever versus, um, you know, I am Nissan or Toyota I'm, or Ford for that matter. <laughs> I want to own a wing uh, in the Macy section and all, or maybe it's the, um, the you know, the, the, the Dick Sporting Goods <laughs> section um, for whatever. So I think that there's a really interesting way when you have the ability to um, manipulate or customize a controlled environment, which a mall in fact is because whomever it is that's, um, behind the cameras that are riddled throughout a mall where, where that where that control room is is they're kind of making things happen for you and whether you like it or not your your experience is being controlled by someone behind the screen uh, <clears throat> i'll tell you what's interesting um dadeland mall which i was at for the first time and where i drove the tesla has a hotel attached to it now i gotta be well, honest with you great. 
that's not exactly where I would stay. <laughs> but if you were a, a shopper, I mean, it's, 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 it's up there with um, the hotels in the airport. Yeah, but right. <laughs> exactly. But just like the hotel in the airport is useful if you're just making a connection or you're landing late at night and your flight's the first thing the next morning. Let's say you're visiting from another country and part of your visiting here is to load up on stuff you can buy in the States. Let's say you're coming up from Brazil and you want to buy all the electronics, all the Apple products and things like that. You're right there in the, ho the hotel is right there in the mall. Talk about convenient. It's kind of like it's kind of like a mall uh, in Vegas, right? I mean, you think about it. Right? Vegas. I, mean, I thought Vegas was a mall. Exactly. <laughs> they just so put the gambling in the mall. <laughs> hey, hey. sell. Uh, wait, feed mayonnaise. <laughs> feed the, the feed the mayonnaise to the tuna. To the tuna. Call Starkist. <laughs> Genius. As a matter of fact, that makes total sense. I can totally see like a Mohican Sun situation where one side is Macy's, one side Saks, another side is some, 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 uh, some slot machines. And Think I can see me. what you were talking about having, taking a wing over the mall in that movie Minority Report, the Steven Spielberg film with uh, Tom Cruise in the future, they were literally, they could scan your iris and your eye and they would put up an ad based on who you were and what your shopping patterns were. And God knows with Google and Facebook and the way the phones are popping up with ads for things that I might have mentioned to somebody a week ago, clearly there's enough information data out there where people could use a mall and really improve the direct marketing and the hit rate of, uh, of product sales. Or, or really, or really um, ruin it. I mean, let's just talk about the future for a minute. I mean, let's just assume that Facebook still exists in the future, right? Because that's still TBD. Um, but we, I think we can all agree that there'll be more invasion or at least more attempts to invade our privacy and, and more um, people trying to protect our privacy at the same time. And so, but you think about malls, we, 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 regardless of, of how you think the future would look, whether or not it's um, more people, more crowded cities or less, there's still going to be a need for experiences. We're still going to need to go out somewhere. And I think that um, for some, malls were that place, that destination, and I think will continue to be so. And so if I think in the future, I think malls will become a multi-sensory experiential um, uh, paradise for people that are in need of um, stimulus. And so, for example, I see Madison Square Garden and the Mall of America and uh, Carnival Cruise Line looking, merging and becoming a, a very unique experience where I can uh, get on a surf, skate or ski machine in a mall. I can listen to my favorite, hear my favorite concert and buy tickets. Um, and I can I can watch a movie or go on some virtual experiences, you know, all you know, at, you know, all off Route Route 17 in you know <laughs> New Jersey, and and that become my vacation, become my getaway, become my moment where I can do something different uh, in the course of a week without going too far. And I think there's one other thing we need to address, which is uh, which has come up quite a bit in a lot of our prior podcasts which is how we went from a migration from the suburbs to the urban setting uh, during COVID to a reversal from the urban setting to the suburbs. 
And that's leading to a huge influx of people into the suburbs now, therefore into the mall experience that perhaps were not involved before, did not use it before, and might have different uh, desires of, of experiences, different shopping requirements in terms of the mall. What do you think that does to the mall scenario? I think it, it transforms it. I think it might even break it apart in the sense that um, these people may or may not have cars. Um, and they may, so the, the, so either the mall itself can expand because there'll be less need for parking space. The malls get bigger, um, or the, the malls change a bit so that to your point about the, the $55 carbonara or whatever, people are having more personalized experiences in those malls. So I'm not walking into a, um, you know, a, a cheesecake factory that has like a thousand tables, which I think one 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 person in the future would probably say that just sort of these 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 sort of chains just get larger. I think perhaps there are smaller chains or smaller one shop type stores, um, like the artisanal avocado salad company that goes in a mall that now caters to a smaller segment of the population that really that really you know that enjoys it so if i if i leave manhattan and i'm, I'm used to eating downtown soho and i go and now i'm living in the suburbs like hudson valley i now can get the same flavors and tastes that i i once appreciated in my little enclave now in a large mall and not only that because you're coming from an area that was more expensive to get your avocado toast to a place in the suburbs, which is most likely less expensive, that store can can raise their price point to the point where it can be profitable to be in the mall. More money, more money, more money. It seems like our future of malls so it, it is good for everybody, it sounds like. So I think we should. The problem is I'm still going to have trouble finding where the hell I put my car. <laughs> well, if it's a Tesla, if the car will find you, just that's, that's kind of like, well, they can drive themselves or just ask it to meet me out front. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, this has been super fun. I, I, I haven't riffed like this in a long time, and I actually love the idea that the future of malls can be a lot brighter um, than what we've um, what we what we what we've now seen, and perhaps. Um, take us to a new place and build new memories of which we enjoyed from our from our childhood. Yeah, and at a minimum, I can get all my Christmas shopping done in one place, which is fantastic. <laughs> in an oh. air-conditioned environment. Bam. All right, that's it for the show. See you all next week. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.